2: 35 years later, Bias' legacy is still making an impact. From Spotify and the
1: Ringer Podcast Network, this is What If, the Lynn Bias story. I'm Jordan Ritter-Kahn.
3: This episode is brought to you by State Farm. From your morning podcast to your fantasy team, we know you personalize your entire day. That's why State Farm helps you personalize your insurance with State Farm Personal Price Plan. It offers coverage options that help protect what you care about most at an affordable price just for you. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Prices may vary by state. Options selected by customer, availability, and eligibility may vary.
4: This episode is brought to you by Empower. You got money questions like, can I retire early? What are my best savings options? Can I afford to pay for my kid's education? Luckily, Empower has all the answers. With Empower's real-time dashboard and real live conversations, you get clarity on your real-life financial goals. So join 18 million Americans and Empower, what's next? Start today at Empower.com. Tap the banner or visit this episode's page to learn more. Sponsored by Empower, not an endorsement or a statement of satisfaction by a client.
2: It is the Ring Run NFL Show, part of the Ringer Podcast Network. I'm Kevin Clark, joined today by some great football minds. Danny Kelly, Evan Silva of Establish the Run, and Nora Princiati. Evan, what's going on?
5: What's going on? I'm glad we're, uh, we're running it back. We, we had a good year last year. I don't know if you kept track of, of our, our, our making the leap predictions from last year, but we had some good ones.
2: We had some great ones, and that's why we brought you back. And so if anybody doesn't know, we had Evan on last year, around this time actually, uh, for the Leap Show. That's what we call it. We've done it almost every year we've had this podcast, and it's just who's making the leap. That's it. Could be anybody. Could be a a player. Could be a coach, could be a franchise, could be a coordinator. Does not matter. It's whoever's making the leap. Danny, are you excited? Have you been on this type of show before?
1: Not that I can remember. I'm very excited. I'm a little nervous about my picks. I'm hoping Evan won't just tear them to shreds. No, but I, I, yeah, I feel good about my picks. Um, It's always one of those things where it's a little risky to pick some of these guys because they could just, all three of my guys, well, four of my guys, I pick four, um, could go either way. So we'll see. Nora, are you fired up?
0: I'm always fired up. (laughs) <laughs> I was about to say I'm back on land because when we did our Julio Jones yeah, emergency podcast, I was in the car. I was but that's also land. In New Jersey. But I'm back in my in New Jersey. So
2: it's basically international yeah. waters.
0: <laughs> right. There's like the law of the seas I think applies in the New Jersey Turnpike. But I'm fired up. I'm back home, like back in my sort of natural habitat. So ready to rumble.
1: I want to know who you guys picked last week or last year, I should say. Who, who were who are your big winners from last year?
2: I literally I I,
0: I remember that Evan. Uh,
2: picked the Cowboys to make the leap and that, th- that didn't work but he also yes. did you, well, what I, well, we also did was you picked Josh Allen that was the big thing for me yeah. huh? oh nice good. Call. Josh Allen Josh, those, when I was thinking about this last night and I was thinking about Evan's picks I thought about those two because I actually spoiler alert have the Cowboys this year but I, I also remember how good <laughs> that that Josh Allen call was
5: Also had uh, Arthur Smith becoming an NFL head coach, which, you know, everything looks like it would have been easier to predict, you know, when it actually happens and you can look back in hindsight, but got a good hit there.
2: I will say this. There's a reason we brought Evan back. (laughs) <laughs> There's a reason we brought Evan back. No, There are very few people who think about the sport uh, better than than Evan Silva. Um, a lot of news we're not going to get to. Juwan James signed with the Ravens after his horrific Achilles injury. Um, he's going to get some money good for him. Uh, essentially, he he lost a bunch by training off-site during a weird uh, NFL, NFLPA um, standoff. Uh, the Bills say they're going to have training camp in their home training facility and not in uh, Rochester at, at St. John's Fisher. Uh, that's interesting because I think there are a lot of people who thought that the NFL was going to try as much as possible to just run it back and do the normal stuff they did in 2019. It, that This is the first kind of concession that it still will be a little weird and there still will be logistical challenges. Um, U.S. men's national team beat Mexico last night, and uh, Logan Paul went the distance with Floyd Mayweather. So it's just there's just a lot of sports right now. <laughs> um, all right, we're going to get to uh, the first the first leap, and it's Danny Kelly because Danny... Danny was worried that his picks were going to overlap with ours. So he shared his before we started and none of them overlap with ours. but he had one that was really intriguing and we're going to let him lead it off. Danny, your first leap.
1: I feel like I'm going out on a limb a little bit here, but I'm going with Jalen hurts for the Eagles. So kind of big picture. Obviously he came in later in the season um, and was really exciting. I think, especially from a fantasy point of view, but he did struggle as a passer. I mean, 52% completion rate, six touchdowns, four interceptions as a passer, 77% rating, or 77 rating, um, and just a 4.1 touchdown rate. So as a passer, he wasn't great. As a runner, obviously, he kind of changed their offense, and that was very exciting. Um, But I do think he has a pretty strong chance of of really improving from from year one, that rookie season, where basically just that entire offense was a mess. Like They didn't have any good weapons, really. They um, had a lot of injuries on the offensive line. And for reference, this is obviously these are apples and oranges. They're not the same player, but I went back and looked at Lamar Jackson's numbers from his rookie season when he kind of came in later in the season. He, so his, so Hertz's PFF passing grade was 57.5, and he had 148 passing attempts last year, which is bad. It was actually worse than Wentz, which is saying (laughs) something. Um, But for reference, Lamar Jackson, his rookie year, 58.6 passing grade on 170 passes, almost Mm. identical number of passes. and then he made a massive jump, obviously, in the next season when they kind of committed to him, changed the offense around him. He went from a 58.6 passing grade to a 85 passing grade in 2019, you know, and then obviously won the MVP was, you know, this revelation, obviously. Um, I'm not saying Hurts is going to be that guy. He's going to be like an MVP or anything like that. But I think all the variables that surrounded him last year um, It's just it was going to be hard for any rookie, let alone a second round rookie to come in and really kind of like shine. Um, So I'm looking at the improvements to his skill group. I think getting healthy Jalen Rieger back in and and having him in the slot, I think, is a good fit for him. Devontae Smith, I'm I'm really bullish on. I think he can be um, kind of like an immediate impact player as like a go to guy for him. Uh, they have a couple, you know, role-player-type guys that could play on the outside. Travis Fulgham, you know, showed up at times last year. It was really kind of a surprise. Um, maybe maybe it's one of Quez Watkins or, or, or Hightower kind of stretching the field on the outside. Obviously, Goddard, Miles Sanders, and then the offensive line, which was really banged up throughout the whole season, I think has a chance to make a leap. So, basically, I'm saying... It, there's The big question mark to me is, obviously, what happens with Nick Sirianni, the offensive coordinator, yeah. or sla- the, off- the head coach. Slash head coach. Play
2: <laughs> yeah like what does he what who, does he bring Who not who isn't an offensive coordinator but seems like an offensive coordinator it's head coach Nick <laughs> Sirianni
0: that right. was very telling
2: <laughs> yeah right
1: um so I guess my the big question for me is what what he'll bring and what kind of offense he'll design and whether yeah. he'll be really really tailoring it to hurts or trying to do his offense and like make hurts kind of adapt to that I don't know how that's going to all go but I think if they are willing to tailor an offense around Hurts and, and like do what essentially what the Ravens did with Lamar Jackson. I think Hurts can make a big jump um, from a fantasy point of view. I think he's going to be awesome, but from a real life football point of view, I think he has to really improve as a passer to like really hold on to this job. So I'm expecting mm-hmm. a big jump from him. I think it's just going to be really, they're going to be one of the most interesting offenses to me in the NFL. So sorry, that was long winded. No, it's great. I'm, I'm excited about Hurts.
2: Evan, where are we on Jalen Hurts and the Eagles in general?
5: Well, I hope that DK, the Dark Knight, is correct uh, about this because I have MVP bets on Jalen Hurts at 101, yes. to one and 60-to-1. Yes. So, nice. Um, and I think nice. he's down at like 40 or 50-to-1 now. But, yeah, the, you know, he's a dynamic dual threat um, quarterback uh, playing behind what I think has a chance to be if, if they can just keep this offensive line healthy. And now they have depth because, you know, their backups got experience last year because, like, everybody mm. went down. Yeah. Yeah. Um, if this offensive line could come together and reach its potential, I think they could have a, they could be a dominant rushing team. Um, you know, so I, I think that I, I th- it's, it, it could also crash and burn. I think the Eagles right. are aware of that. They're they're, <laughs> they're, they're, they're sort of, it's, it's like a very boomer bust season. Yeah. I think they either want to go like four and 13, or they want Jalen hurts to run away with this job and go like, you know, 11 and what's what's 17 minus 11 11 and six you know like and win the division I think they can yeah. I mean this division is it's it's up for grabs like it is pretty much every year at this point and um I think there's a lot of upside there with Jalen Hurts
2: yeah I mean it's still I mean I was going through his splits this morning and obviously there's still just a, a lot of small sample sizes like you know he he I lead led the NFL last year in yards per attempt on play action, but I think he had like 50 dropbacks. Um, so it's just, there There were flashes there, but I just need to see a, a bigger body of work. Nora, is there any hope for the Eagles to actually be legitimately good this year? Uh,
0: uh any hope? <laughs> yeah, sure. There's always hope, Kevin. I mean, so I don't think they will be a very good team. However, I do think what's interesting about this conversation is that I think there needs to be a little bit of a shift in how we talk about what these dual threat quarterbacks can provide teams where I think there's a tendency to say that they're kind of, you know, the, the variance between the high end and the low end is like so huge. And I actually think, and there are a lot of smart people that I think had had parts of this conversation surrounding Mac Jones on the other side before the draft, where if a quarterback can influence the run game really significantly, it actually raises the floor pretty significantly because there's two things that the guy can do, right? It's like if the passing game is not working, at least you have something to fall back on. I think there's a tendency just because traditionally we're so much more used to seeing pure pocket passers to say, oh, those are the safe guys. Those are the ones where, you know, we're used to seeing it. So it must be less risky. And I don't think that's quite right because, you know, and again, I'm I'm sort of relating this to pieces of the conversation that was surrounding Mac Jones before the draft. If you think about that, okay, if he's not a good passer pretty quickly, what's he really doing for an offense? Jalen Hurts is kind of the opposite of that conversation, right? Where there should realistically usually be some things that he can do. So I think there's more of a chance that he's kind of a a stabilizer and someone that can get them moving in the right direction, then I think we tend to assume there is or say there is just because there are less examples of having seen it work out. That said, I I just think with where their offensive line is, with just what we saw towards the end of the year, especially last year, there's too many questions there for me to say like, oh yeah, I think the, the Eagles could be really good next year next year is the year that they're looking at I don't think that's the case but I do like the idea that Hertz kind of has these multiple ways that he can help them and that's always a good position to be in
1: he's a really yeah he's a really good runner I think uh, people talk about you know Lamar Jackson obviously Kyler Murray those guys are extremely extremely explosive runners Hertz isn't that type of runner or or he's not that explosive but to me he's like A running back. He's he's a very good runner. He could be used in red zone stuff Um, as a scrambler. He just picks up yards. He's got like kind of gazelle like speed um, where it's not you know it's not like explosive explosive type of runner, but he he picks up chunks of yards. I I, he's he like you said absolutely gives them a foundation to kind of like build that offense around the run game, and then if they can kind of you know tick up in in offensive or in pass efficiency, I think that could be you know where he really makes his jump. So I'm excited to see it.
5: And I think it's important to remember that, you know, when he played last year, I mean, their, their supporting cast was just decimated. Yeah, I mean, yeah. he was out there playing with a bunch of scrubs. You know, like Greg Ward was, by the end of the season, was like their best receiver. Right. You know, he, he was the guy catching all the balls. Um, And and their offensive line was decimated. So uh, it's going to be really interesting to see him with a healthy supporting cast, at least to begin the year. The, the Eagles injury problems have been, it's been a multi-year problem,
0: though. I have a question: Who has bigger offensive coordinator energy, Zach Taylor or Nick Sirianni?
2: <laughs> I I will give the nod to Zach Taylor because of the of the McVay thing because he he's like the guy that everybody lifts up as the example of like this guy hung out with Sean McVay for 15 minutes and then and then became an, an NFL coordinator. I would say that now, obviously, listen, Zach Taylor had credentials and all that stuff, but that. I don't think Zach Taylor would be head coach if he had not met Sean McVay. Does anyone have all Zach right. Taylor on their list today? Uh, no, no, we do not. Got it. Um, Got all right. It. Before we get to Evan's first one, Danny, uh, since you st- uh, state your claim on this, how many wins do the Eagles get in 2021? Oh my gosh. Uh, <laughs>
1: I'm going to say, I'm going to say nine. Beautiful. All
2: right, Evan, first leap.
5: Yeah. I'm going to say right along the same lines, actually uh, a guy who played in college for a minute with Ah, uh, Jalen Hurts, and that is Tua Tagovailoa. I mean,
2: oh,
5: okay. He finishes top five in in, MF, in NFL MVP voting. Um, this is another Ooh. guy that I mean, there there are still nice long lines uh, where you can bet Tua at sixty six to 1, 60 to one. Um, you know, he, Jalen Hurts has moved into like the forty to fifty to one range, but I, I think that the the rhetoric surrounding Tua right now is really negative and probably deservedly so because he did not play well in his rookie year chances. And then he recently admitted publicly that he wasn't hundred percent familiar with the dolphins playbook. And that sounds really bad on its face, but you know, we have to understand that the dolphins 2020 playbook that was almost entirely designed by Chan Gailey for Ryan Fitzpatrick. Those guys were super tight from Buffalo. You know, Chan Gailey knew all of Ryan Fitzpatrick's strengths and weaknesses, what he liked to do. The Dolphins' plan was to play Tua sparingly, if at all, uh, as a rookie, coming off the hip fracture, the dislocation. That was an injury that was commonly compared at the time to Bo Jackson's injury. Um, So this was not a playbook designed for Tua, and he had almost zero practice time with it because there was no preseason, barely any training camp due to COVID, during the regular season the first string quarterback takes all the reps. You know, the backup is is coming in and getting 3 to 5 reps per practice. If you listen to the coaches tell how you know talk about how practice goes, Tua was recovering from a brutal injury at the time, but you know, this was still a player that was picked 5th overall in the draft, a guy that everyone loved coming out of Alabama from a, a skill set standpoint, he was superbly efficient. By every measure in college, he's a good athlete. He relegated Matt Jones, a top 15 NFL pick, to the bench at Alabama. He forced Jalen Hurts, a second-round pick, uh, to transfer to Oklahoma. And now the Dolphins are surrounding. I, I love what the Dolphins did. I mean, they just went all in on Tua, which is exactly what they should have done. Um, they're bringing back Devontae Parker. They signed Will Fuller. They drafted Jalen Waddell. Preston Williams is back as the fourth receiver. Lim Bowden is the fifth receiver. Mike Jasicki uh, was Tua's most trusted target last year and I think is still an an ascending player. Chan Gailey is gone and they're designing the offense for Tua now. And I think that we're going to see him take a a second year leap. I just think that, you know, we've just gotten way too low uh, on Tua after a small sample size in a really tough year in which he was coming off that brutal injury.
2: Wow. I did not expect that name. I love that case. Nora, where are you on to heading into 2021? Because I thought about him for about five seconds when I was putting together this list and decided that there were just too many question marks. Where are you uh, on Evan's point?
0: I'm totally compelled by that argument. I'm like (laughs) you. I just feel like there's so many question marks that I'm a little bit like, let's wait and see. But... I, I do think the one thing that I really feel strongly about here is that the playbook stuff is just getting so, so, so I agree. way overblown. Like, it, it really doesn't matter. And you know what? He wouldn't have said it if it had been this, like, big, scandalous, dramatic thing. It's right. it's hard to choose your words perfectly every single time you're in front of a microphone or on, on the phone with someone. Like, I, I just don't think that that is a significant factor in what happened last season, or at least as it would seem like something where he's saying like, I didn't study hard enough or yeah. something. That's just, yeah. if it were the case, <laughs> he wouldn't have said it. And it doesn't matter.
2: It's what we said last week where I said, some, you know, sometimes uh, the media can misconstrue accountability, right? Like he was, I think right. he could have been making the point like, I'm, I didn't know my the playbook well enough and then it gets turned into you know I never picked up the playbook um Evan let me ask you so if you're high on Tua how then does the AFC East race shake out are they just a cut below Buffalo do you expect them to even push Buffalo how, how do you kind of see that
5: yeah I think that in the AFC East Buffalo is in a tier unto their own yeah I agree but you know crazy stuff happens every year um I don't think the Dolphins are far behind them you know, I think it's. I think it goes. You know, pretty much just how it finished last year: Bills, Dolphins, Patriots, Jets. Um, but I, you know, I like. I, I bet the Dolphins to win the division at plus three thirty-three. So, you know, I, I think they're a good team. I, I love the way that they they they've been really analytically built. I mean, they have placed a great emphasis on pass defense that allows them to uh, you know, be really aggressive with the blitz. And then they come back and they, and they bring in Jalen Phillips, who I think was the best uh, edge rusher in the draft. So then now they're supplementing what was a pretty weak front seven group, but it it, it looked better. I mean, they had a, a top 10, um, uh, pressure rate according to sports info solutions last year, despite not really having any big name pass rushers. Um, and I like I like their, the, the chances that they, they have a young, improving offensive line. And again, the, the, the weapons that they put around to, uh, are really, really impressive. I mean, Will Fuller, you can go back and look at his like his um his on off uh splits with, with, with Deshaun Watson in Houston. And whenever Will Fuller was playing, Deshaun Watson averaged like, you know, a yard and a half more uh per attempt through uh at, at a much higher touchdown rate. Like Will Fuller is an actual difference maker when he's on the field. And I think Jalen Waddle could could be similar uh, in that respect. And Jalen Waddle he played with Tua uh at Alabama. So I just Everything the Dolphins have done has been really thought out. I, and I, I, I love the trajectory of the organization. Uh,
2: I am in agreement with the trajectory of the organization part and everything being thought out. It's perfect. Danny, where are you in the, on Tua and the Dolphins heading into 2021?
5: I love this. I almost put
1: Tua to too, because, uh, but I ultimately ch- kind of went, a, went another direction because I was like, this one to me, like the Hertz thing has a little bit of a boom bust thing. Cause like, Tua, you know, with any quarterback, any young quarterback, it's really tough to know, like, how they're going to progress. I really like this, though, because I'm a Tua believer, and I think, like Evan had, like laid out, their offense is just going to be so much more talented this year than it was last year. Like, Tua was in the same situation as Hurts, like, just playing with a bunch of, not scrubs, but, like, basically role players. Now he's going to have potential stars um, to throw to. I think Will Fuller, the way he can stretch out the defense is really going to fit Tua well because Tua is a rhythm and ri- he's like a rhythm quick release quick processing type passer he's got to get more comfortable like in the short and intermediate area I think and then like from there he can build a, a deep game and, and like threaten defenses deep um, I think Will Fuller does a great job of stretching the defense like guy like Jalen Waddle can do both the deep stuff but also like a lot of yards after reception type stuff like where you just dump it off to him and he and he picks up 20 yards on like a crosser or something like that so i love it i think it's gonna be really fun to watch i think their skill player group is pretty underrated going into the season like even like bowden i like a lot like jakeem grant is is definitely a role player but he's got like a lot of explosiveness they can use him in certain ways
2: so um i I love this pick i think it's gonna be fun to watch Remember when bowden was a third round pick of the raiders and they just cut him
1: that's a bizarre thing. I I really That's like that weird. too. Yeah, they tried to turn him into weird. a running back. They try to turn him into yeah. a running back right away, which just didn't work. So we'll he see. gave
2: an interview to Tower Dunn, I think, a couple of weeks ago, where he shed some light on that. That that, that was that was pretty interesting. Um, anyway, uh, Nor Princieti, your first leap.
0: All right. So we we've, we've been doing some sort of boomer bust ones. Mine is different. It is the Jacksonville Jaguars, <laughs> who won one game last oh, season. Oh, No. Oh, okay so there's room for, for stepping and oh
2: boy are we going from one to, is the leap from one win
0: to two wins, <laughs> to <Double>. two wins. <laughs> Trevor Lawrence doubles the Jaguars <laughs> season over season win total no what I'm what I'm projecting is a leap not a step and I'm gonna say that the Jaguars are going to win eight games mm. Trevor Lawrence obviously would be wow bullet point number one in in any argument about this, but I have three others that I think are getting a little bit uh, under-discussed at this point. Okay. First of all, really pretty good skill position group down there in Jacksonville. And particularly, if they are either playing from behind or just needing to have their offense clicking to to stay in games and they Trevor Lawrence being... Yeah, they got Tebow. (laughs) It's a Tebow take. is taking the lead. Tim Tebow is not a part of this conversation. (laughs) The only conversation Tim Tebow is not a part of is this one. But if Trevor Lawrence has to be a little bit aggressive downfield, I think DJ Chark and Marvin Jones in particular are going to be really, really, really great for him. I mean, Chark is great with deep balls. Jones is a fantastic contested catch receiver. I really, really, really think there's potential there. They are going to have to play with three and four wideouts a ton just because they don't really have tight ends with apologies to not Tim Tebow, but Chris Manhurts and James O'Shaughnessy. <laughs> That's one. Number two, I think Urban Meyer is getting a little underrated because even if you think that this that his head coaching era in Jacksonville maybe won't work out as well as they hope, I'm, I'm not totally sure where I fall on, there, on that. I don't know how much long-term potential I think it has. But what's getting lost in that, I think, is that Urban Meyer is pretty good At injecting football teams with some juice, at least in the short term. I don't see a world in which he goes into Jacksonville and just nothing happens, right? There will be some energy there, there will be some sort of culture change. And I think in the short term, the prospects for it could be pretty exciting. The next thing is that they have one of the most improved secondaries of any team in the NFL. I mean, they played in particular a ton of single high safety coverages last season, and they just did not have the athletes for it. I think that'll stay consistent because Myers college teams have done a lot of that. And then Baltimore does a lot of that. And that's where Joe Cullen comes from. But when you add Shaq Griffin, Ray Jenkins, and then draft Tyson Campbell and Andre Cisco, there's just so much more that they can do where if they're still playing that way, those guys aren't going to get Burned quite as consistently if the corners are left on an island or if the safeties need to be able to cover a lot of territory. And then you have Tim Tebow. So
2: obviously, what could go wrong? (laughs) I will say, Van Lathan and I did a locker room last night after the Logan Paul. Mayweather fight and he correctly threw out tim tebow as a great candidate in three years to be in one of these celebrity boxing matches
0: <laughs> yes. oh god
2: um all right so let's let's unpack this i i think i actually disagree with one part of what you said nora which is i think that that urban meyer is among the the boomiest and bustiest people in football in 2021 like i i think there's a real case to be made that that he could succeed and it reminds me a little bit you know chip kelly had some instant success and there were a couple of reasons for that um number one and i don't know how big of a thing that was but he stacked his staff with a lot of people who knew the NFL really well, and then he was going to handle kind of the the college flavor and the college scheme element on top of the, of the pro stuff. When I look at Urban staff, Daryl Bevel is the offensive coordinator. Brian Schottenheimer is the quarterback's coach. And, and obviously, we all have had our problems with Brian Schottenheimer, but he, I'm sure he can be a good quarterback's coach. Um, he's not calling the plays. Um, Joe Cullen is a defensive coordinator. Um, they're just stacked with with NFL veterans. I mean, Bob Sutton is a senior defensive assistant. I don't even know what that means, but he's around and giving NFL takes. Um, so I think you're going to see a a nice blend of kind of forward-thinking schemes with things that that can work in the NFL, even though those those things are becoming one and the same uh, more so every day. Um, but I, I think that th- this can generally work. Um, I just don't know how much talent they're going to have, and I don't know what the learning curve is going to be. Chip Kelly came into a situation um, that was was significantly more talented roster. Um, it was not a rookie quarterback. Uh, Evan Silva, 2021 Jaguars, do anything for you?
5: Yes, yes, I, I like this take. Um, yeah, I think that this is also a division uh, <laughs> where that that is up for grabs. Now the Titans just went and got Julio Jones. The Titans are one of the thinnest teams in the NFL. They had to go get Julio Jones. I mean, if they were to lose AJ Brown or Derrick Henry, all of a sudden they have like no playmakers. So they had to go get Julio Jones. How, how many games can you really count on Ho- Julio Jones to play at age 32 after he could not overcome, you know, a hamstring injury Yeah, pretty much all of last season, he remains highly, highly effective. Uh, but then you, you go to the Colts and the Colts have been good, like pretty consistently good over the past couple of years. Chris Ballard has built you know, a team that with a really solid foundation, but how good is Carson Wentz going to be? He was like the worst quarterback in the NFL last year. Um, I think Trevor Lawrence is going to be one of these quarterbacks. You know, I think to, to me, the, the number one, the greatest ability that a quarterback can have is to make the players around him look better. And I Mm -hmm. think that Trevor Lawrence is going to be able to do that quickly. I think that the comparison between him and Andrew Luck, who came into the league right away and, you know, made that team significantly better, made other guys play better, essentially. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, I think that Trevor Lawrence can be able to do that. Like you're going to see the offensive line, which returns all five starters. The offensive line all of a sudden is going to look pretty good in Jacksonville mm-hmm. you know they, they're not protecting you know Gardner Minshew who's holding the ball way too long in the pocket or <laughs> you know Nick Foles who couldn't you know cannot move or Jake Luton you know all these guys they've been trotting out over the over the past few years all of a sudden these players are going to look better with Trevor Lawrence in there I'm also a believer in Daryl Bevel I, I like this
2: take a lot uh I did not know that I needed to be reminded of jake luton's existence but i'm i'm glad i'm glad that got back on the radar because i had not thought about him in a long time uh danny kelly jaguars yeah i'm into this i'm into this take also i think
1: I, i've been kind of like a quiet uh supporter of daryl bevel over the years i think he's a pretty good match with trevor lawrence as a rookie just because he went through the same thing with russell wilson like bring him a little bit along a little bit slowly Um, he's a former quarterback himself. He kind of knows how how that all works, trying to give him enough layup plays. But also I think he's been very, like his career I think has been defined by his ability to design offenses that can go deep and have explosive plays. And so, um, or at least since he was in Seattle, I don't know about before that. I can't can't remember really what they were like before that. But like in Seattle, in Detroit, certainly that's been like a, a big characteristic for his offenses. And so I think Lawrence is a perfect fit it's not hard to imagine Lawrence having a season uh, like we saw Justin Herbert have last season. You know, I think they have pretty similar like size, skill set, um, you know, all that stuff. And I think, you know, he's, he also adds as a little bit as a runner. He's a very athletic guy. So I don't know. I'm, I'm pretty excited about watching this offense. I'm afraid to get too excited about it. But I mean, all the points Nora made are right. Like they have. Really good skill players, I think. Honestly, like and you didn't mention LaVisca Schnell, who also is a guy who can make a jump this year. Uh, they got Travis Etienne in the first round. He could, he could make an impact. I mean, James Robinson's right. still there. Um, you know, so they got in the offensive line's good. I think the defense too is a very interesting one because I look at their roster and I see a lot of guys that I really liked coming out. If they have if they need to have like they need to coalesce and like have everybody come together and like, you know, figure it out. But like Josh Allen good pass rusher like Kavalon Chasen or Von Chasen. Sorry. He like struggled early on, I think, but he kind of showed some flashes. So maybe he could mm-hmm. make a second year jump. They still have Taven Bryant. You know, there's some good skill player or there's some good skill, some talented guys on this defense, especially in the secondary, like you said. So I don't know. It's one of those things where things need to come together and they can't like just keep underachieving. Um, but there's certainly the talent on this team to, to make a big jump. And I think Trevor Lawrence is, is the key to that. And, and, I don't know. It seems like there's a good, good shot that he's going to be a really good rookie.
0: This is another one where where I really wanted to be able to have the sort of um, cleanly packaged take of they'll go 500. And then I was like, wait, (laughs) you can't go 500 anymore. I
2: think they will make the leap from one win to at least two. And I do agree with you that Urban Meyer is becoming a little bit underrated. But I think obviously the jury's still out until we see a body of work. All right. My first one, we'll do it quickly. Um, I think everything is setting up for a leap from Joe Burrow. So mm-hmm. the, statistically, the biggest jump in a career is from year one to year two. And obviously, that, that's been a pattern in some of our takes already. Um, and I think that when you look at how the Bengals are building their team, obviously, Jamar Chase is a wonderful pick. Um, T Higgins is good. Tyler Boyd. I think there's going to be some, some extra chemistry there, even though Burrow, uh, obviously had the injury last year. And I think that the offensive line while still not good is okay. Um, PFF did a ranking of the, of the 2021 offensive lines. And I think that the Bengals are 24th, which is not what you want, but it's not, it's not Burrow being on the ground every time. It's not David Carr, uh, 20 years ago. Um, vision is Joe Burrow's superpower. And a lot of times, I actually dismiss the argument that, oh, everything needs to be perfect for this guy to break out. Because I think if you, if you, can, only, uh, if you can only play well in certain environments, then you're, you're probably not an elite player, right? But, but with Joe Burrow, I think giving him exactly what he needs, and from the skill position uh, standpoint, the Bengals are doing that. Uh, I think that that is going to lead to his breakout. I think that getting a bunch of guys out into the route and Joe Burrow using his superhuman vision is exactly what he needs. I don't think the Bengals are a particularly smart organization. I don't think they're going to be all that good this year. But what I do think is that we're going to see that Joe Burrow in 2021 is on the superstar track and that we're going to know exactly how good he's going to be by, say, November. Danny Kelly, Joe Burrow.
1: Yeah, I like this one, and I think the big thing, and he he's even mentioned this um, in interviews recently, is he needs to be a better deep passer. Like, he was a really yep. good, really accurate well, deep there's, passer. Well, there's some arm out.
2: strength questions. There's some arm, arm strength questions.
1: There's certainly some arm arm strength questions. Like, he's not the type of guy who's going to, like, drive it in the wind and, and rain and all that, and, like, you know, you know like a Stafford or whatever. But Josh Allen. Extremely, yeah, Josh Allen. He's extremely accurate, though. Like, ball placement is on point. That That was kind of the one thing we didn't really see as a rookie and i think there's a lot of reasons for that number one he was constantly running for his life that was a big issue with offensive line i think the offensive line could get better um and number two i'm not going to blame everything on aj green but he was just not good like he he his like target like i can't remember what his, his catch rate was but it was abysmal um just saw a ton of targets um basically g- going from aj green to a guy like jamar chase where they got chase boyd and higgins um, you know, running routes on the outside, I think that will really help. And I think we're gonna see a big uptick in his his efficiency and his his ability to push the ball deep and that could open everything up for the offense. And so that's the big thing to watch for me. You know, obviously, like you said, the arm strength issues are a thing, but I I think there's plenty of ver- very athletic or sorry, very accurate passers that don't have elite arm strength that are that that just get by because they, they can put it exactly where it needs to be. So I, I think I see him as that type of guy.
2: Evan, let me put you on the spot here. After twenty twenty one what does the race between the best 2020 quarterback look like between Justin Herbert and Joe Burrow? And even I would put two in that conversation. How are we ranking at the end of, of this season?
5: I mean, I guess I'm a slave to the recency bias and I'll go Herbert yeah. Burrow Tua. but, um, I don't know. It's, it's, it's an interesting take because, you know, you got Joe Burrow who uh, so much of his game is, uh, reliant on athleticism. He's coming off, not just an ACL tear, but I mean, he, tore multiple ligaments yeah. in his knee and the Bengals still don't take the offensive lineman. I, I love Jamar chase. I mean, the dude is an absolute baller, but you would have taken Sewell, and, Right. And, and then in the second round, they come back and they take Jackson Carmen, who, you know, I don't, I, I mean, I don't profess to be, you know, some great offensive line analyst, but the offensive line analyst that I've read about Jackson Carmen, that not, not a big fan of him uh, also coming off an injury. And, uh, I, I don't know that I work with like data analysts and, 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 uh, and g- dudes who win a ton of money playing DFS. And these guys love the Bengals this year. They love Joe burrow this year. They're like, Silva you're way too low on them. I'm like, you guys are way too high on them. <laughs> so this is going to be actually one of the, it's an internal debate that we're having right now a little bit. The numbers are supporting you, Kevin Clark. I, I can tell yes. you that. Yeah.
2: Yes. As someone who consistently loses at DFS, um, I feel vindicated. (laughs) As someone who just constantly bets on Colin Morikawa at random golf tournaments and loses, I feel (laughs) feel vindicated. I, I bet
5: Colin every tournament, too.
2: Hey, ball striking over and over again. Use those irons, baby. Uh Nora Princiati, uh, same kind of question here is 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 when we look at the 2020 quarterbacks, um, what are we gonna think of of Joe Burrow this year? Does he make a leap? Does Tua leap him? Uh does Herbert extend his lead? Where are we?
0: I just think that it's easier. So the the thing with I actually almost picked um T. Higgins as one of mine. Ooh. So I'm kind of with you. I just am scared because of the the physical elements. And Normally, if it were like Evan said, if it were just an ACL, I would feel like, you know what? We actually make too big of a deal out of these things. He's super young. His body will recover. But I just I just want to see it. And I do agree with you that there's this idea that they didn't do anything to upgrade their offensive line, which is not the case. Right. They got Carmen Riley Reef. We'll see what happens. But I, I just it the injury is what scares me because yeah. it takes everything coming together from, you know, just, just a, the normal things the teams have to do to kind of coalesce. But then you add in the extra challenge of getting over that physically. And I just feel, you know, there's, there's always teams and players who you're more, I'll believe it when I see it than with mm-hmm. others. I, I see the logic for the Bengals, but I'm just a little bit like, okay, let's, let's visualize it happening on a, on a field first. I get that. I get that. Um,
2: Ojo Cinco was on Slow News Day a couple of days ago, and he said that he thinks the Bengals have a top three wide receiver set. I actually don't remember if we were recording then, but there it is. There's the take. Um, he, O'Jo Cinco also said that he would get 750 yards on, this, on the 2021 Cincinnati Bengals. So it was uh, interesting, <laughs> interesting football takes there. This episode is brought to you by State Farm. From your morning podcast to your fantasy
3: team, we know you personalize your entire day. That's why State Farm helps you personalize your insurance with State Farm Personal Price Plan. It offers coverage options that help protect what you care about most at an affordable price just for you. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Prices may vary by state. Options selected by customer, availability, and eligibility may vary.
5: This episode is brought to you by Hotels.com. If you're busy like me and you're trying to catch your kids' games, It's important to have somewhere where you can go to find a good hotel. We're all over the place. Sometimes, you know, we're in Florida. We'll be in New York. You want to take the wife on a quick vacation and get away. Whether you're looking for a relaxing getaway or heading out of town to see the playoffs, Hotels.com app has a perfect hotel for every trip. Compare up to five hotels side by side so you can see prices, amenities, and star ratings without having to switch back and forth between options. So start planning your next getaway and find your perfect somewhere
2: in the Hotels.com app today. Evan Silva. Let's give, get your second leap. all right
5: I'm going to go with the 49ers. the 49ers go from six Ooh. and ten and last in the NFC West to Super Bowl winners the 49ers last oh! year I picked, Last year I picked the Cowboys oh! to win the Super Bowl. so um, you know keep this in context, but I like I the 49ers this year. so the, the first thing that stands out about Last year's 49ers versus this year's 49ers is injury regression because okay. the 49ers are in line for a ton of positive injury regression to the mean football outsiders does an injury index report each off season and quantifies how much each team was affected by injuries in the previous year. And according to football outsiders, no team in the NFL was affected by injuries and COVID more than the 49ers last year. They were affected by injuries and illnesses. The second most of any NFL team since 2001 um it was Jeez. actually a miracle that this team won six games they they were many instances last year where the 49ers were trotting out full-on second and third string position groups I think the defense is going to be really good again this year with Nick Bosa back I think the 49ers can drop Trey Lance whenever he's ready into a really favorable situation for a rookie it's Kyle Shanahan's system of course where Robert Griffin III ripped up the league as a rookie and Matt Schaub Back in the day with Gary Kubiak and Kyle Shanahan as the OC, led the NFL in passing yards. Debo Samuel, Brandon Ayoub, George Kittle. These guys make life easier on the quarterback because they're run-after-catch maniacs. And according to Vegas win totals, the, the 49ers have the easiest schedule in the league, and it's not particularly close. Like If you look at the chart that Warren Sharp puts out, it's like, this is how all the teams have, have like schedules in, in, in terms of SOS and the 49ers are like up here at uh, having the easiest in the league. So I really like this team to finish in the, uh, in the 11 to 13 win range, they've got a smooth pathway and it's easier, easy to forget that they have one of the best rosters
2: in the league. So in this scenario, which quarterback starts the Super Bowl?
5: Yeah, it's, it's Trey Lance.
2: Okay. Just wanted to make sure on that one. Okay. I just wanted to make sure. Um, Wow uh this is this is quite a take um uh, I agree with everything you've said in in as much as you know we, we did the exercise last week on how many teams win the Super Bowl uh we talked about the 49ers a lot there I think that people have uh strange kind of anti jimmy Garoppolo bias um and I really do think that even if he plays they they can still win games and, and win on a big stage I think that the, the division is really hard and that complicates things and I just don't know. You know, in in a in the one by era, um, if it's going to be easy to come from a division like that and and get the breaks you need in the playoffs, uh, Danny Kelly, you're not an NFC West aficionado. Where are we on the Niners this year?
1: Yeah, this I mean, it wouldn't shock me. They were a Super Bowl team two years ago, so it's not like I don't think it's a wild take. It, I I do think that, um, and we talked about this a couple of weeks ago when we talked about the teams that could make the Super Bowl. I think they need need to have some things go right for them. I think you know whether it's Jimmy Garoppolo taking his game to another level or Trey Lance coming in and playing really well as a rookie. I think those are two things that um, it would certainly help. I don't know if they have as good of a defense as they had two years ago. Um, Right. You know, they still have a lot of talent clearly. Yeah. Cornerback could
2: be an issue. Cornerback could be an issue.
1: But at the end of the day, like honestly, it wouldn't wouldn't surprise me that much. Like they have so such good skill players. Um, And, and like Evan said, like it's, it's, they're the best team by far at running after the catch and Shanahan puts these guys in perfect situation to catch the ball, have space um, and just make defenses pay. Um, I'm really excited to see who they kind of have as like their third receiver, whether it's maybe Jalen Hurd, who, you know, he, he was as a freshman or sophomore or whatever, he rushed for like a thousand yards as a running back. And then he, then he changed over to a, uh, to the receiver position as a third rounder. He'd been hurt his first two years in the, in the league, but Um, he's another guy that's interesting. I I mean, I don't know who's going to be the third guy, but, um, they might not even need him with Kittle, Debo and Ayuk there. But, um, yeah, this is just, this team has an identity. Um, I think their offense line will be strong. You know, they got, they got Shanahan calling plays, which is always makes it really difficult for defense or for defenses to, to figure out. And then of, of course, if their defense gets back to what they were a couple of years ago, then they will look like a juggernaut. I just think there's, I'm not quite as confident as Evan, but I do, there's absolutely like in the realm of possibility. It wouldn't surprise me that much.
2: I want to get Nora and Evan's take on how the NFC West shakes out. I'll ask you first, Evan, um, if you could rank the four teams in the NFC West, where would you go right now?
5: No, I mean, clearly, I I think the 49ers are the best team, but um, the Rams, I think, are really, really dangerous. Uh, They've got, you know, those two studs on on defense, and then they've got a bunch of uh, other really good, like, role players, and they Well, I don't know. You know, losing Brandon Staley, that that could be a significant loss. I do think that Stafford, you know, we talked about – Yeah, gaining Stafford. Talk about quarterbacks that can elevate the players around them. Like, I think that Stafford is going to – we're going to see a a big year, I think, out of, like, Tyler Higbee or, you know, maybe Cooper Cup's best season and and Robert Woods making more plays downfield instead of just everything around the line of scrimmage. Like, I think he's going to help take their passing game – to another level that that Jared Goff could could not reach. Mm-hmm. So I think that they're really dangerous and then you got Russ in Seattle and I mean I think the defense is is looking a lot better and the offensive line is, is looking I mean they, they got Gabe Jackson. I thought that that was one of the better moves uh, of the offseason. They're they're dangerous and so is Arizona. So your your points about the division are are very well made and and and, and acknowledged. That's how I'd rank them though uh right now San Francisco Rams Seattle Arizona
2: Love it, Nora. NFC West and the Niners in general.
0: So NFC West, I think. I think Evan's order is is right. I I will say I really like the Seahawks. You'll hear a little bit more about that in in a second, but Ooh. I just I don't think I think it's like they're so consistent <laughs> that it's easy to overlook them or something. Um, the one thing I just want to reiterate, I think we've talked about this on other shows. Uh, Trey Lance was born in the year two thousand. I, I hate it. <laughs> we hate must it. acknowledge do this. this is it, it is inherently untrustworthy. <laughs> but
2: you are so young that do you even remember 2000 didn't we already do this yes I, the, 2000, yes, 2000 I do remember 2000, the year 2000. 2000 okay it's borderline
0: all right you. well but that you know what i'm not gonna win the super bowl either so
2: <laughs> 2000 i was in i was in my prime i was just banging in hockey goals in <laughs> in orlando that was my athletic prime i think it was 12 or something um all right <laughs> you, you, want go, to, you want to give your seahawks sleep
0: yeah So my second leap candidate is Seahawks offensive coordinator, Shane Waldron. And Mm. I think that he will make the leap to being a, you know, one of that group of head coaching candidates who's just sort of on all the lists in a lot of the discussions, one of those guys. And I think it's pretty simple. The Seahawks are a good team with a great quarterback. So there's already a great infrastructure for him to thrive, but he can also get a lot of credit. For doing it, right? Pete Carroll's a defensive head coach and they're looking for for someone who's gonna give them a little bit of energy. One word that Pete Carroll has used and some of the players have used as they've gone through, they've started to get into OTAs there is tempo. And that's been something that they've been saying that he's really gonna bring to them and they're super excited about. And I think that's really, really, really important because where have we seen the Seahawks offense look the best? With Russ in recent years, it's when they're in two minute situations or other times when they're situationally forced to pass, forced to move the ball quickly, forced to use some tempo. If Shane Waldron can come from the Rams, a team that's really good at using tempo, just regardless of the situation now where he has Russell Wilson, two top 25 receivers I think he can really get the most out of Russ cover up some of the offensive line issues that I think have been mitigated, but still do exist and really just help everything there gel. And I think if that happens, then, you know, you sprinkle in a little bit of used to work for Sean McVay and boom, you got (laughs) a head coaching candidate. That's the recipe. That's the leap.
2: Danny, I'm going to bring you in here for some to react (laughs) to some Seahawks optimism.
1: Yeah, yeah. So I think I have to be guarded in my optimism for that, and I love this take <laughs> because we really don't know who Shane Waldron is. Honestly, like I think they, he was like a passing game coordinator. He wasn't even the offensive coordinator, the, and then of so course he was the
0: tight ends coach, and then he was the passing game coordinator.
1: Yeah, and then of course he's playing. Uh, like McVay is the one calling plays, so we don't really know who he is. However, if I was going to, I think on like if I was being honest. And I wanted an offense that the Seahawks could run where it makes Pete Carroll happy. They're going to be run heavy. They're going to be, you know, they're going to be physical. They're going to play smash-mouth football. And yet, would get the most out of Russell Wilson, I think it would be the Rams' offense. And so, I love the idea, or the 49ers' offense. Either one of those two offenses, I think, is just, like, perfect for Russell Wilson. I think getting Shane Waldron in, who's going to probably do a lot of three-receiver sets, a lot of pre-snap motion, um, a lot of, like you said, tempo, I love all that stuff. I also think it's going to be very interesting. I, I, my first reaction to the to Dwayne Eskridge pick was that I hated it because he's an older prospect who comes from a small school. But the more that I think about it, I'm starting to like get really bullish on Eskridge and what he can do for the offense because the Seahawks had like, they basically had no layup plays last year. It was all right. run run the ball or toss it deep to lock and Metcalf and hope for the best and then they would have like these, they would try to get like David Moore, Freddie Swain, these guys, you know, more involved in this short and intermediate area, but they just really didn't have that part of the offense dialed. And that was a big part of the reason, I think, that their passing game fell apart in the second half of the year. And it, like Lockett got hurt and that really didn't help. Um, he was playing sort of on a bum knee. But also, just like when teams started playing these two high shells um, and t- trying really, really hard to take the deep ball away, they couldn't, they didn't have an answer. That was why Shoddy got fired. Um, I think that's why they want Shane Waldron to come in here, and and that's a big part of what the Ram- like. Look at the Rams' offense last year was all short and intermediate because like, um, because Goff couldn't throw the ball deep, so he's bringing those passing game concepts, screens, quick, you know, quick slants, all that stuff, you know, end arounds, sweeps. I think Eskridge is going to be really crucial for that part of the Seahawks' passing game because he's, you know, he's got four three speed, he's big, he's he he's not big, sorry. He's short, but he's not small. He's like 190 pounds. He's kind of like a running back, and he played corner in college. Um, so he's got like that. They, they like that because he's like the tough guy that can that can play defense and and still hold his own. Um, I still think there's a ton of question marks about Eskridge. He's like 24, and he he's coming from that small school where he like broke out late and all that stuff. That that certainly concerns me. However, his skill set I think will will fill in really nicely for what they need on offense. And so I think that's why they're really high on him. I think that's going to be a big part of their offense this year. And I'm kind of with you, though. Like, people are looking past the Seahawks because they're sort of just, like, the same every year. Um, but I think if Waldron can sort of unlock that part of the Seahawks offense, I think they could really take a leap. And so I like this. I like this take. I'm, again, I'm guarded in my natural Seahawks pessimism. But um, <laughs> I, I, I'm, I'm I, I am excited to see how this goes.
2: Evan, as someone who deals with with just the projection of units and stuff like that, are you generally um high on on the Seahawks in 2021? Their their offense?
5: Yeah, yeah. I mean, they're they're gonna be good because Russ is so efficient and that just trickles down to the dudes he's throwing the ball to. And um, I, I liked uh Nora's point about uh, you know, in the in about about tempo because She's right. I think that, you know, when you think about quarterbacks that excel when in urgent situations and are able to play with urgency and play efficiently and play fast, Russell Wilson is like, you know, right up there with anybody. Um, Gerald Everett, I think was an interesting addition. I think if you were going to rank five assistants across the league to who was going to be the, you know, this year's Arthur Smith, I think Shane Waldron should be in that conversation. And, um, so yeah, I'm, I'm with it. Oh, by the way, but before Russ retires, like this dude needs to win an MVP award. Like, (laughs) yeah, I do not want this dude to retire without an MVP award. He's been so close, like multiple years. He, I mean, he pretty much had it in the bag, like through week 11 or week 12 last season and did not play well down the stretch. Yeah. But, um, man, I want to see this guy get an MVP award. Russ winning
0: MVP is like, like Beyonce needs to win an album of the year.
2: I didn't know that that was a that was a streak. That thing? Yeah. Yeah. I don't. I don't know. I don't know if this is the audience for that particular take, Nora. Uh, but no, <laughs> I. I. I just. I don't. Danny, did you know Beyonce never won album of the year?
1: I, uh, I did not. No.
0: Like the most awarded woman at the Grammys, but hasn't won album of the year.
2: Is that okay? Well, um, the thing is about Russell is number one is he, he needs to get an MVP vote and. Chris Collinsworth is going to do it and they lost his vote. I want to get an MVP. This, Nora, this should be your mission is to get now that you've done the podcasts about uh, Taylor and Olivia, Olivia Rodrigo. Um, you should get a Grammy vote and just vote for Beyonce every chance you get. Cause I'm going to get an MVP vote at some point And just no matter what Russell could have like played in three games. I'm going to give him an MVP vote as soon as I get <laughs> it. The first thing I'm going to do is I'm going to get an MVP vote. I don't know how I'm going to call the MVP commission and then I'm going to vote for Russell Wilson. And you can do the same for the Grammys.
0: Maybe Russell Wilson could win a Grammy. His wife is in the music industry.
2: That could happen. That could happen. <laughs> um, Danny Kelly, next leap. All right, so I'm going, and, and this goes right back to what we were
1: talking about with the Rams. I'll make this quick since we kind of already addressed them. But I think Cam Akers is a guy who's going to make a big, big jump. Starting off with, I think, the, the fact that Stafford has the ability to unlock this offense. You know, they, like I said before, they were all sort of Everything was within 10 yards of their passing game last year, and it really kind of yeah. it, it helped defenses key in, helped them stack the box, play the run. Um, I actually looked this up. Akers saw eight-plus man boxes on defense on thirty or seven percent of his runs last year, which is the fourth most in the NFL. Um, Daryl Henderson wasn't far behind. He had 30%. So I could see that number dropping significantly as uh, Stafford is more able to stretch the field, stretch defenses out, um, I think even McVay was, was talking about that when, when they brought Stafford in, it was like activate more guys in this offense rather than just like have everything be sort of limited in the short and mid intermediate area. Um, and so I think the other thing is like, we saw him get a lot of volume down the stretch. He battled some, some high ankle sprain stuff that kind of like limited him for part of the last year. But, um, I think at his heart, McVeigh he wants to be a balanced team. he wants to run the ball and. He also wants, I think, to have a guy who, who is like his guy. I and mean, we saw that with Gurley for years. Um, and I could see Akers get the volume he needs to be, like, to turn into a star in the league. So, there, this is a little bit boomer busty because, you know, he had, you know, he, he was invisible for stretches during last year. He got hurt early on in the season. He, like, injured his ribs. Um, and that affected his ability to get and stay on the field. So, we'll see. And if he can stay healthy. But I think Akers has the ability and, and has this opportunity where he's gonna be the guy and he's gonna be more involved in the passing game. I just think overall Stafford is gonna help unlock this offense and that's gonna that's gonna translate to the run game too.
2: Nora, we're doing a lot of NFC West talk here, and I kinda <laughs> like that everybody everybody is taking their claim here. Nora, respond to that take.
0: <laughs> I, I I'm with it. <laughs>
2: Shoot I'm it. With down.
0: it. <laughs> what am I supposed to do? What just, if I just, just turn
2: this? What if we just turn this into like a first take style debate show? And we just <laughs> it was I... three hours long, and it was just everybody had to take opposite sides of everything, and you just had to just murder <laughs> Danny's take.
0: I know that's why you're you're like respond, and I'm like I don't know. I think Danny made some really. I think it's because there. there's two people
2: on this call currently having technical difficulties, so I'm just I'm just trying to keep it as curt as as short as possible, <laughs> so they don't. While well, we fix our want... technical issues.
0: Do you want to talk about Beyonce some more? I'd be happy. You can, it.
2: If you could did 10 minutes on Beyonce right now, you would really help Evan Silva and I out. But no, it's good. All right, Evan, Cam Akers.
5: Yeah, I mean, you know, doing fantasy, st- having done fantasy stuff for 15 years at this point, like, it- it's real simple. If a dude has a chance to get like 400 touches, then you don't overthink it. You don't worry about his yards per carry. You don't worry about, you know, any of these other you know, other metrics. If a dude has a chance to get like 300 carries and 50 catches, which it looks like Cam Akers does this year, yep. you, you don't overthink it. You put that guy on your fantasy team, you bet, you make bets on him. You know, that's, he. he's in it. I mean, and they're talking about like leaving him on the field, like in the old Todd Gurley role. So, and, and he showed at the end of the year. I mean, he actually, he had a high ankle sprain last year. I think he had multiple high ankle sprains and he was still balling at the end of the year. Yeah. I mean, he's, he's a tough dude. He can play in the passing game. He can run between the tackles. This is going to be a good offense. That's all you need to know. Yes. Thumbs up, Cam Akers.
2: All right. My next one, it's the sequel to Evans last year. I think the team that's going to win the NFC East and the team that's going to have a bounce-back season, and I think a coach who unfairly is going to be in the coach of the year discussion because of just the way things work. It's the Dallas Cowboys, and it's, it's everything that goes on with them. Um, Mike McCarthy is going to get credit for something he didn't do, which is he just happens to be the coach of, of a team with, with a lot more roster talent than, uh, than other teams in the division. Uh, Dak Prescott's going to be healthy. Dan Quinn is a massive upgrade from Mike Nolan. Let me tell you something. I don't think Dan Quinn's all that good an offensive coordinator, but the fact that he's a massive upgrade says more about Mike <laughs> Nolan than it does Dan Quinn. Um, I think that this is not a Super Bowl contender by any means, but I just think that uh, you know that the Washington football team is a, a very good team, a very deep team. I love Ron Rivera and I actually love the building blocks there that the front seven is nasty. they built that team the right way, and the football team will be very good going forward um the 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 whole quarterback uh is I think the 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 difference here, and so I'm going cowboys to go from bad team to nfc east champion evan what do you like about the cowboys in 2021 and what concerns you
5: i mean they should be able to score a boatload of points they if they i think anything finishing any any lower than top five in the nfl and scoring would be a disappointment um but wh- what worries me is how is dak i mean God, that injury was so brutal I, I can still picture it now sitting in my basement watching that thing with you know, Dak Prescott on like half my fantasy teams mm. and, you know, Amari Cooper and Michael Gallup sprinkled, you know, in, in, in amongst them as well. It was, it, uh, I, I could like feel Dak's pain almost as it was happening. It was a brutal injury. How is he going to recover from that? You know, is it going to take him uh, some time to get comfortable, uh, you know, w- within the first few weeks, can Tyron Smith hold up at left tackle? Probably not. Right. I mean, when was the last time that he held up at left tackle and then, Really, the, the biggest addition, although I think, didn't they use every draft pick that they had on defense? I think.
0: Yeah, I believe they did. Yeah, yeah. or, or close
5: to it.
1: A couple fourth rounders on offense, but yeah.
2: Yeah. They had a fit. They took a uh, fourth semi and in the fifth. fifth round. Yeah, they took, some, they took some fourth and fifth and seventh, but, but high picks. Yeah. First, yeah. second, third yeah. was defense.
5: Yeah. But, you know, other than a bunch of rookies, I mean, the only real big change they made defensively was just changing out the defensive coordinator right? I mean, they didn't go get any great free agent pickups uh, on defense and they're kind of just hoping, I guess, that the scheme changed. Now, Mike Nolan, I think we can say pretty confidently was a bad hire. It it just seemed like a cronyism hire because that's, you know, Mike McCarthy's boy from back in San Francisco or whatever. And that, that we can say confidently that was a bad hire. Is, is Dan Quinn's going to come in with his scheme and you know, change everything for the positive. I think that they'll be better on defense because they couldn't be a whole lot. It couldn't really be worse. Yeah, but man, I, I still worry. I so I I think that there are legitimate concerns there, um, but they they better finish top five in the NFL in scoring with this receiver core and with the offensive lineman coming back and Dak coming back. They 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 better.
2: Isn't it funny that the cronyism hires always like? Can we find better roles for the cronies? Like, do you really need to be defensive coordinator if you're just trying to hook up your boy? You know, I'd like give him a give, make him like linebackers coach and just make him a yeah. vibes guy. You know, I just yeah. I, I feel like I feel like if I was in charge of something, I would want to hire my friends. But if I knew they were bad, I would not give them any responsibility. It's not that hard, guys. <laughs> but NFL coaches fail at this time and time again. Anyway, that's my that's my uh, my cronyism rant. Uh, Assistant. To
0: the head coach.
2: Exactly. Exactly. Why couldn't he be assistant to the head coach, Mike Nolan? Bring him back. Bring him back. Special consultant. Bring him back. Special consultant. Absolutely. We love a special consultant. Senior assistant. Senior assistant. What does it mean? Nobody knows. Nobody knows. Off-ball
5: linebackers coach.
2: Amazing. (laughs) We just solved the cronyism problem in the NFL. Um, Nora, are the Cowboys going to be good this year?
0: I like the Cowboys. Dak's amazing. Uh, you know the injury is scary, but Dak's amazing, and I like that they went defense. I like that they had a boring draft. You know, yeah. I don't think Jerry likes it, but I like that they had a boring draft. And then I think there's sort of dueling forces with that offensive line, right? Which is that like it's not what it used to be, and a lot of those guys are are getting up there in age, and they're going be to be better. Out what the they're going to be better. Future they're of be that healthier. is, but
2: P- PFF has them as sixth going into next year.
0: Yes, since they and they finished twenty seventh last yes. season. So whoopsies six being much better than 27. Uh, I think you can expect some solid improvement there and they're deeper too. Um, so they can take a couple injuries and maybe not totally fall apart the same way.
2: Danny, you're the draft expert. Tell me about Micah Parsons and his immediate impact.
1: Well, I think number one, he brings speed and athleticism to the defense of the middle of the field. He can be a, he can play off the ball. He can play as like a situational pass rusher. So, there, it's he's definitely interesting, but he's a rookie. And, you know, we've seen linebacker, highly drafted linebackers, take a little bit of time to kind of acclimate to the NFL. Um, and he doesn't have a lot. He didn't have a lot of experience doing, like, straight-up man coverage, things like that. Like, it, it could take a minute. Um, there's a little bit of a ramp-up period. I do think he's explosive athlete who's going to make their defense faster and ultimately better. Um, but I wouldn't expect... You know, I, I'm not necessarily expecting huge things from him in year one, um, but uh, like, I do think he, he's multiple and, and, and gives them options in, you know, the nickel situations where he can be a blitzer slash pass rusher. All that stuff is good.
4: This episode is brought to you by Empower. You got money questions like, can I retire early? What are my best savings options? Can I afford to pay for my kid's education? Luckily, Empower has all the answers. With Empower's real-time dashboard and real live conversations, you get clarity on your real-life financial goals. So join 18 million Americans and empower what's next. Start today at empower.com. Tap the banner or visit this episode's page to learn more. Sponsored by Empower, not an endorsement or a statement of satisfaction by a client. This episode is brought to you by NetSuite by Oracle. As your business grows, you might start seeing some lag. There's too much work for your team, too many different processes, and it takes forever to close the books. If this sounds like you, you should know these three numbers, 37,000, 25, and one. 37,000 is the number of businesses that have upgraded to NetSuite by Oracle. It's a cloud financial system that can help streamline accounting, financial management, inventory, HR, and more. 25, that's how many years NetSuite has been helping businesses do more with less. And one, because your one-of-a-kind business deserves a customized solution for your KPIs. It's like when you come here for this podcast or when you check out your favorite website to gather all the info you need to make better decisions for your fantasy leagues. Well, NetSuite does that for your business and then some. It's one efficient system, one source of truth with everything you need to grow. Right now, download NetSuite's popular KPI checklist designed to give you consistently excellent performance absolutely free at netsuite.com slash ringer. That is netsuite.com slash ringer.
2: All right, we will start with Nor Princiati for the third week. Go
0: ahead. Defense. Defense is going to make the leap. Defense is back. Okay. Okay. All right. Let's run through this. Number one reason defense is back. Fans are back. We saw a lot of situations last season where the lack of fans in stadiums was helping quarterbacks. They were getting defenders to jump using hard counts. They had an easier time communicating. That is gone. The diminished home field advantage last season got to the point where road teams were scoring basically as much as home teams. So I think that you know, I don't think that matters quite as much as something like the fact that refs just weren't calling holding, but I do think that it, it matters a tick. Also, this is just math 2020, like all kinds of offensive records were broken. So points scored yards, gained touchdowns. There were five teams that averaged 30 points per game. I'm not saying that there's going to be like a total regression here, just because I think offense improving is a long-term trend in the modern NFL and and ultimately like I think that arrow is still pointing up but relative to last season where it was just going so crazy with the scoring I do think that there'll be a tick in the other direction. And then there's a few significant, you know, player pieces here, right? So not that Drew Brees was lighting the world on fire as a quarterback last season, but he retired. I don't know that the Saints offense will be quite quite what it was last season. Aaron Rodgers who threw more touchdowns last season than his team had to punt, might not play this year. Tom Brady, and I know I'll regret saying this, is a year older. Ben Roethlisberger was really (laughs) bad at the end of the season, but was better towards the beginning. And I think a lot of us, myself included, are wondering if that'll be kind of more the norm for all of next season. Put it all together. And I think the deck is so stacked against defense in general that the way that you would have to call this a leap is basically just not having another slew of records of offense being broken again. But that is the leap that I am predicting for defense, which is back. You heard it here first.
2: Evan, as someone who studies this very closely, are you expecting a defensive progression and offensive regression this year? Just big picture.
5: I mean, I just am sitting here hoping that Nora is wrong because defense
2: <laughs> See, this I is how we defense. get the first take debate here.
5: Yeah. No, it was, it, she laid out a very interesting case, yeah. though. It, it did not. I mean, a lot of, you know, a lot of good reasoning there. Um, yeah. I just hope she's wrong.
0: Evan, this sounds like such backhanded
5: praise. No, I, I'm, I'm I'm, dead serious. Like, I just that would really suck. You know, <laughs> Here, here's here's what
1: I want to know, though. And I think this was a big part of it, too, is is. What are What is the NFL going to do about the refereeing situation? Because last year, they basically were just like, we're not going to call holding. And that was yeah. a big part of, I think, a huge part of the offensive explosion. This, I was just looking at the stats right now. The NFL teams scored more receiving touchdowns than any other year last year, but they also scored more rushing touchdowns <laughs> than any other season. So this was, was like thinaned. an absurd... Offensive, like obviously most points ever but it was uh, it was both in the passing game and the running game I think a lot of that had to do with the fact that officials were basically like we don't like we just want the, the, the football to be good we're not going to call holding and uh, Evan and I I think especially in, in this call are like hell yeah let's keep that going like we don't want holding <laughs> like it's more fun to watch teams score points I hate holding calls it's, like, so annoying when you get a holding call and, like,
5: it brings oh, a playback, yeah. a big play back. You know? Yeah, dude, like, busts, like, a 70-yard run and it's like, <laughs> exactly. holding. Oh, it's the worst. On the other side so of
1: the that's, that's speaking, yeah. obviously, from a fantasy football point of view. And, and you know, we're going to have football purists probably groaning and, and being pissed off about that. But, like, that, I think, is what the NFL wants, too. So, I'm also, I'm just kind of wondering if the NFL is just going to be, like, yeah, let's just keep not, let's just continue to not call holding.
0: I don't see any reason why they would want to change that, right? Like, the NFL, I'm sure, was thrilled with what happened as a result of the yeah, points, points. very points. low number yeah. of holding calls. Like, I think that that is the future. However, these things do have, like, a little bit of, you know, two steps forward, one step back sometimes, just yeah. because yeah. once everybody knows it's a thing, you just have coaches making a point to scream and yell about it, right? So, like, I do think that there are going to be The defensive coordinators are going to be mad and they're going to be mad for a little bit and then just be like, okay, we're, yeah, it is what it is.
2: Yeah. Defensive coordinators are going to be mad for a long time because they're constantly mad. (laughs) If you want, if you want, if you want good, I've, I've had, I've gone to this well probably one too many times. It's just, Go up to a defensive coordinator at any point in like training camp during the season. Just be like, what do you think about modern football? And they'll just be like, oh, my God, I hate it. You know, it's like, great. this is, I'm just going to print this. And it's going to be great. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter who the coordinator is. They're just mad. You're just mad at all times. Um, great reasoning, Nora. Um, Evan is just fuming right now thinking about the, <laughs> the, the defense being back. He might leave the call.
5: I like your theory about the the defensive coaches always being mad. Like I, I met uh, Steve Belichick at the uh, the Combine uh, a couple of years ago. Love and, it. And I was like, yo, man, what do you think is going to happen with Tom Brady? He was like, I don't know, man. You tell me. And that was like the <laughs> end of the conversation. That was it.
2: Oh, I was wow. like, All right. <laughs> Oh, I can totally picture that. So that. Sounds like a pretty good interaction, actually. Um. All right. Actually, it was probably more words than I get out of most of its coordinators. Um, I, honestly,
0: I'm just shocked yeah. that Steve Belichick like went out in public at the combine. <laughs> Usually, they're not. It's not encouraged.
2: I'm a Steve Belichick stand, uh, in the same way that
0: what does that entail?
2: And no, I, I think you should win a Grammy, <laughs> <sighs> Danny Kelly. Your next leap. All right. So this one's I think
1: more. Maybe it has a higher uh, probability of of failing in terms of it might not happen but I'm looking for a second year jump from Bill's receiver Gabriel Davis who last year quietly had seven touchdowns which was second only to chase Claypool among rookies and tied with Justin Jefferson obviously he didn't get nearly the amount of yards or or catches um, but he was a very effective deep uh, receiver for them he actually was seventh highest in the NFL in yards per reception um with 17.1 i saw this per cbs 31 percent of his routes as a rookie were go routes so he, i wonder if he's on sort of like the dk metcalf progression as a route runner for, for the bills where basically they're like hey as a rookie go line up here and just run deep and, and give us that option and then next year with john brown gone maybe they're going to expand his route tree get him more involved um i think they're excited about his potential and this is a super pass-heavy offense. They ran three-plus receiver sets like 90% of the time last year. Um, I do think them signing Emmanuel Sanders throws a wrench in this potentially where he maybe can't – maybe Gabriel Davis doesn't beat uh, beat out uh, Sanders and, and play above him. But just from a team-building point of view, I, f- I feel like the team probably is motivated to be like, hey, if Davis is playing better and if he's giving them what they want, like – it would make sense to have this guy who they have under contract for several more years um, getting that playing time, getting those targets, getting on the same page with Josh Allen. So we'll see. It, it, it could blow up in my face, but I, I'm kind of excited about what he can do in the second year in this pass offense.
2: Evan, Bill's receiving situation, what does it look like?
5: Yeah, I mean, you know, Diggs is going to get, you know, all the volume in the world, and, and Beasley is not going anywhere. So I think where Gabriel Davis could step up with, the, with his size is like in the red zone and be a guy that could score like eight touchdowns. You know, and then all of a sudden he's like a factor in fantasy and he's a guy that people are talking about. And um, I mean, because you know, there's a limitation on, on how many targets he's gonna get. I mean, unless you know Stefan Diggs were to go down, which I mean, he remember he used to battle soft tissue issues a lot in Minnesota. So if he were to miss th- time, then I think hey, all bets are off on Gabriel Davis. But I think where his biggest impact right now with everybody healthy would be in the red zone. I mean, you look at Diggs is like kind of a small guy, Cole Beasley is not big. You know, Gabriel Davis is what six four, so six three, six four, and like you know, thickly built. I think that he could be a red zone dominator. And, and their their fourth receiver, Emmanuel Sanders, another small guy.
1: Yeah, he's two fi- two sixteen. So I mean, he's like he's the only guy on this offense really that profiles with that size, or at least that that's going to get playing time. So yeah, absolutely.
2: You no, know, you did a lot of reporting last year on Josh Allen. Talked to Josh. Talked to Brian Dable. A uh, bunch of people around there when you think about obviously there was a huge leap from year 2 to year 3 for for Josh Allen one predicted by by Evan Silva um we're just going to keep bringing up your old, your old take 7 but that one that one was right um, <laughs> what are you expecting out of Josh Nora in in 2021
0: he was so good last season that he could there's some natural regression that i think would be really logical to predict but i don't think that using his other his earlier seasons as kind of like, okay, the sample is we have each one of those. And then if you're, you know, taking a mean from all of that, that's what he would regress back to. I don't think that's right. I think he is so fundamentally better than he was in his first year when they didn't want him to play. Like they, that was just not their plan. And some things happened because they had, you know, whatever it was like $60 million in, in dead money and didn't have a lot of options in terms of, getting a good bridge quarterback there that he had to be thrown into the fire in ways that I think just sort of altered what we saw of him at a point when they would have preferred that he just be making those mistakes in practice, I think. So there could be some natural regression, just bad luck, just not, not quite, you know, the explosiveness that we saw last season. But I think that he is a fundamentally different player. Like, I don't think that we're going back to the Josh Allen of, of old who you know struggled with deep passing so much and was just making those ridiculous overthrows where it was like what's what is going on here like i i don't think that guy i don't think that guy is 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 josh allen anymore evan
2: silva your last leap
5: all right going back to the nfc east antonio gibson leads the nfl in yards from scrimmage Oh, oh wow so, I think if you look at Antonio Gibson's college resume and what he did as a rookie in the NFL, and you're trying to forecast him, you should be pretty aggressive. I'm in the process right now of building our draft guide, and I keep trying to move him up the rankings, you know, uh, because he is a true all purpose talent. He runs 4'3'9 at 228 pounds. He left Memphis with more career catches than rushing attempts. He had more catches in college than he had carries. <laughs> but then he gets to the NFL, and his first year with Washington, I mean, the, the team basically pigeonholes him as an early as an early down rusher. They use J.D. McKissick as their passing down back. Peyton Barber stealing goal line carries. You know, they're they're easing Antonio Gibson in because I think they considered him to be a raw and developmental player because he had, what, 80 offensive touches in, in his entire uh, college career. But he, he passed every test. He showed he's an expo- explosive playmaker. The trust in him progressed as the year progressed. And then if you leave out week 13, where he suffered a toe injury and it cost him the the next two weeks, uh, Antonio Gibson wound up handling 16 or more touches in five of Washington's final six games. So to me, I think it's pretty clear that they gained late season trust in him. And that now if you look at the construct of this Washington team, like I think they're going to be pretty good. Uh, They have an elite, they have elite talent on defense. They have a ton of speed on offense. I mean, Curtis Samuel, Terry McLaurin um, Antonio Gibson, all these guys are sub four, four guys. Um, and so, I, and now I think that he's got a, a chance to be like a true every down back. And I mean, it, you know, when, w- when you think about like the true every down back backs, the true multi-purpose backs in the NFL, I think that at the end of this year, he's going to be in the same co- conversation as guys like Dalvin Cook, Christian McCaffrey, um, Aaron Jones. I think he's going to end up, um, as, as as a true every down back on a good team that is in a lot of positive game script,
2: and they'll be able to feed him. He's got he's got an immense upside. Danny Kelly, you're nodding in agreement. Antonio Gibson, 2021.
1: Yeah, this was I mentioned at the beginning. I had four guys. This was my fourth guy, so I absolutely agree with this. The only thing that's making me just slightly worried is his, his foot injury, his, his toe injury, which has been nagging since last year. So that would be the only thing that worries me. Maybe that becomes something, you know, that that holds him out of games or limits him. I hope not. And if it doesn't, then, yeah, absolutely, like, wheels up. This guy is going to, you know, it, it, he's playing for a coach in Ron Rivera who had, you know, Christian McCaffrey saw what that that guy like him could do, both on the ground in the passing game. Um, so I think he's going to, you know, eventually earn the right to be, the pass catching back for them too. So I think, you know, it's, it, this is a, like one of the few players in the NFL now that could have true three down potential. So I love this. I think it's going to be great. And, and the, the thing that we can't forget is like what an elite athlete this guy is like, he's a rare athlete. So um I think all those points are great. And I think their offensive line is solid too. I don't remember if you mentioned that, but like they, they just have kind of like all the pieces there for him to really break out.
0: Here's what I want to um, ask Evan and Danny since, uh, Antonio Gibson was going to be on his list too. Can chime in here too. So Derek Henry led the NFL in, in yards from scrimmage last season with 2,141 yards. Dalvin Cook was next with 1,918. So let's say to meet this, it's just an even 2,000 yards from scrimmage. How does that break out as a rusher and, and as a receiver?
5: Yeah, I think you're looking at, you're trying to look at um, like 1,200 yards rushing and 800 receiving um, with like... okay. 60, 65 catches. I mean, he's going to have to get a lot of touches to to get there. No no question. He's got to stay healthy. He's got to overcome this toe issue. But, I mean, based on his – see, this is what I like, that he really excelled as an early down rusher in his first season in the NFL, yet his background is in pass catching, really. I mean, if you remember him coming out of Memphis, people were like, this guy's going to be a slot receiver in the NFL. I mean, a lot of people were saying that. But then he's used as just like a true old-fashioned ball carrier in his first year. He's still got that pass-catching, you know, equity. And, um, you know, if he's able to – if everything can kind of come together, then we can hit this prediction. But, uh, yeah, I, it's it's going to take a lot. Danny?
1: Yeah, I mean, I, I it, it is one of those situations, I think, where you have to have, like, everything go right. And in fact, I was just looking. I don't think there's any running backs last year that hit 800 yards receiving. Alvin Kamara had 756. Um, so this is, this is definitely like an ambitious goal for him or whatever, uh, prediction. But, um, I mean, I, I still love it. I think it's great. I think also the defense is probably going to give them plenty of good field position, like situations where, you know, they're not going to have to be digging themselves out of a lot of holes. They're going to have situations where they get like at the 50 yard line or whatever, because that defense is so good. When you guys were talking about the, the Cowboys earlier, I wanted to be like, what about the what about Washington? You know, because I think their defense is so good, and if this offense takes a jump. Like I think it could with Fitzpatrick at quarterback. This might be the team that we're really talking about in this division. So
5: um, I wonder if a better bet might be actually his touchdowns because this dude, for a guy who was getting vultured at the goal line by Peyton Barber last year, he scored a lot of touchdowns. If you look at his, he scored, he touched the ball on offense literally 77 times at Memphis. He scored 15 touchdowns yeah yeah exactly I mean, this guy is like a touchdown waiting to happen so maybe the yeah. maybe the better bet is to to lead the nfl in all-purpose touchdowns which i, I like I mean, that i don't think that'd be crazy yeah
2: i'm cleaning up all the loose ends before i give my last leap because i want to i'm I, i'm like a criminal packing their bags and just getting out as soon as the, the last job <laughs> is done because once i give it you'll understand why one more question for you because we had some titans fans ask uh on your list of teams who yeah. win the super yeah. bowl uh are the titans now on it
1: I would I would put them on that list. Yeah, I think okay. Evan Evan basically post put it really well earlier. I think where they really needed to get Julio. I think, and I think this is a big move for them. It's a very good move for them. Um, they certainly wouldn't still be a favorite for me, but I think it definitely puts them on the list. And so, sorry Titans fans, but I I, I that was like kind of like the exact um, issue that I had with them is like you know like if AJ Brown goes down, if Derrick Henner goes down, like they're just so so shallow in their, in their defense um, you know, has to make this massive leap to to kind of get to average, I think. And so yeah, I I do think that this can be a very efficient offense now. And, And the one thing I think I like the most about this is like they're gonna be a they're gonna be a play action heavy offense. I think that's been um where Ryan Tannehill really, really thrives. Um, but you can't always use play action. Like you can't, like at a third and 10, you're not gonna use play action. So I think where Julio really comes into play is he gives them another like elite route runner and a guy who can move the chains in those situations. He could be a go-to guy where play action is just not going to work. So I think that, that to me is like what I'm excited about for, for that acquisition. I think it's really big for them.
2: So we have all the housekeeping. I'm like Robert De Niro and heat. I'm just getting all the takes out of the way so that I can, I can, (laughs) I can get out in 30 seconds. Um, the team that will take a leap from seven wins to 11 (laughs) wins, Is the new I'm improved already... New England Patriots.
0: <laughs> Could smell that coming a mile away. Everything points
2: to this team taking a step forward. They have a contingency plan at quarterback now. Um, they had some, you know, I think that the, the kind of Rosetta Stone for last season was, was it Matt Light? One of those guys, one of the ex-linemen was on the radio and said that he thinks that Bill Belichick uh, is an educated guess. He thought Bill Belichick treated last season as a joke, right? But the, the biggest competitive advantage for the Patriots um, in most areas outside of the quarterback, being the best quarterback of all time for 20 years, um, was having Bill Belichick and situational football and knowing every corner of, of the game and being able to to uh, install that on a Wednesday. That, that didn't happen last year in COVID. There wasn't a full training camp. There wasn't OTAs, all that stuff. So now you have what amounts to a more normal season. It won't be fully normal, but it will be more normal. They get some of the opt-in guys back. Um, from a defense that was historically good for long stretches of 2019, uh, they go out and they build a really interesting roster. I mean, like Bill Belichick, and this is something we've talked about a lot. Bill Belichick clearly hated last season's Patriots, and he wanted to get that that taste out of his mouth as quickly as possible. And he was ready <laughs> to spend on it. Now, I I don't agree with the Robert Kraft. Rationale that he came out with a couple days later after they'd went on the spending boom and said, you know what? It's an inefficiency because nobody had money to spend. We did. So we we're going to go out and get those guys. But I do think it is almost inarguable that they upgraded their skill guys. Uh, Hunter Henry is really good. Johnny Smith is really good. The skill guys that they have, the two tight end sets are going to be great. But then you also have, you know, I don't think the world of Nelson Aguilar is, p- especially at that price. I don't think the world of Kendrick Bourne. Um, but that's an upgrade. Like even if you overspent to upgrade, that's a different discussion than did you upgrade. Okay, that's a it's a it's a team building discussion versus a roster discussion. And so I think you add all this in together. I think the New England Patriots are going to compete for the playoffs and I actually think I actually think that they get the 7th playoff spot in the AFC. Danny help me out. Or don't help me out. Or kill me, bury me. Do whatever you want to do.
1: In this vision of yours, who is this? How many how many starts does Mac Jones get?
2: Or is it Nine. all Cam? Okay. Nine. Okay. And I don't think they're, con- they're, I don't think those are consecutive. They might play around a little bit. I think <laughs> oh, look, be interesting. I, th- I think they might play around yeah. a little bit. And I was also would, would say, given Cam's health, that there's going to be times Mac Jones has to play when, it's not a hey, we're going with Mac because he gives us the best chance to win thing. I, I and mean, we we saw this last year where where Cam at least looked banged up in games last year, but nobody wanted to put Jared Stidham in for long stretches. We saw that last year. Now there's a contingency plan if that does not work.
1: I so I can see it happening. And I, I what I like about the Patriots is they are doing their typical thing where they kind of zig when everyone else is zagging. Like they're going to be a super run heavy team, I think, and try and beat up on smaller more athletic defenses that are meant that are built being built to combat, you know, three and four receiver sets. So that's kind of like, I think where they could get their edge and it's not like they're the only team doing that, but um, they have the personnel, I think, especially with, you know, the two tight ends they signed in the off season, their offensive line is really solid. They have a good defense. So they're set up pretty well, I think to execute that strategy, if that's, if that does turn out to be what they want to do. I think, I think that's kind of what, we envision them turning into. And I think Mac Jones is a good, uh, a good option for that offense. And in the fact that he's going to distribute the ball efficiently, he's accurate, um, all that stuff. So I could see it, you know, I'm not like necessarily confident in the Patriots this year that, um, you know, that they're going to be this team that comes out of like comes back and, and is, like a really a big threat, I guess in the FC, but I could see this happening. It's not like, it's certainly not a wild take in my mind.
2: Yeah, and, and I've been down on the Patriots for stretches of this offseason, kind of for, for the reasons that I'm talking about now with, okay, they overpay for some of these guys and maybe that doesn't give them the home. But the more I think about it, the more I study it, the more I think they can get that that last playoff spot. Uh, Evan Silva, expectations to the Patriots this year?
5: Yeah, they're a really tough team for me to uh, try to predict. Um, I, I just I don't know what to think. Offensively, and I think that... Danny did a good enough job breaking down how they're looking defensively. They they're trying to build like a power ball team. Yep. Um that wins, you know, up front and in the trenches. Their offensive line looks like it could be badass. Uh yeah. Uh they but you know, they've got like an impending quarterback controversy. They they have, I mean, I love Hunter Henry and Johnny Smith, but when you're playing a lot of two tight end sets, and you don't have a deep threat, which I don't think Nelson Aguilar is is true a true deep threat. Like I think they should have, like try to like go get like John Brown to add yeah. you know another dimension to their offense because Kendrick Bourne, I mean, he runs like four eight, and, and Aguilar is really more of like a short to intermediate guy. I, I think you know um, same with Myers. So they, yeah, they have no like field stretching ability at all on offense, and their offense like is at risk. I think of being condensed, and so. I, I know that Bill Belichick probably, you know, and he's he knows more football than than I'll ever, you know, he's forgotten more football than I know, you know, but he, but like, I don't know. I think he wants to win like in an old school way, you know, with like a a, a, a classic drop back passer and Mac Jones, and it's just it's going to be interesting to see if this turning back the clock sort of approach is actually going to work.
2: Nora, the New England Patriots.
0: Um, yes or no? So the, the yeah. Let's go with yeah. Yeah. I, yes, I disagree. Yes. I disagree that Belichick thought that last season was a joke. I think that he thought it was difficult, but I don't think that he takes anything not seriously.
2: I think that there's probably degrees to it. I think he maybe started out thinking it wasn't a joke. And then when they things started to go south and he realized it was really hard to... To fix things going in the wrong direction, he was just probably just like, yeah, this sucks. Like Floyd Mayweather last night when he couldn't, when he figured out he couldn't knock out Logan Paul, he was just kind of he just started laughing in the ring.
0: I just I disagree with the binary there. He might have thought it sucked, but I don't think that there was an impulse to just okay, we're not going to try to get the most. Oh no, out of I don't. I don't think can. they were tanking or anything.
2: I just think that there was there was just a d- degree of difficulty when you're trying out a new quarterback and all that stuff that he probably sure. Rolled his eyes at. That's my guess. Again, this is all armchair psychology. This is not. This is not legally binding here. I think we we probably. I think we just disagree. I think we disagree. I don't
0: think they had any business winning seven games with that roster, particularly with that receiving core. And I also think that the reason that Cam is back has to do with the feeling that yes, there were severe limitations last season, but also that there was you know valuable work done during that time. Um, That said, Cam Newton hurt his hand the other day at OTAs. Uh, which at least, you know, it's not necessarily significant at all in terms of what's happening in September, October and beyond, but what it does seem like is that, um, our friend McCorkle is getting a lot of work with the starting offensive line. Um, so I, I do think just looking at what they've been doing and, and things like bringing in Brian Hoyer, uh, essentially in in my view and my sort of educated guess, there to be an extra quarterbacks coach on the field who knows the system really well. Um, I, I just think that they're gearing up for, for Mac Jones to at least have everything in place so that he can play a lot of games. If that's how it shakes out.
5: What's up with this McCorkle so, thing? Is, is that it really his nickname?
0: Yeah, it's McCorkle.
5: It's his, Michael it's McCorkle his middle Jones. name. Oh, yeah. Oh, it's his middle, middle name. name. Oh, okay.
0: That's what Mac is short for McCorkle. Yeah.
2: Michael oh, McCorkle wow. Jones. Wow,
1: <laughs> I love, I love that he's here this say, for the I'm first not... time. That's genuine I, reaction. Right he's from wow. North <laughs>
2: Florida. He's from North Florida, and I spent about six months in uh, in North Florida uh, during the pandemic. And there's there's some there's some McCorkles around there. There's some McCorkles. There's they they he, they, they get creative with some names down there.
1: He's from Jacksonville,
2: right, or thereabouts? He is, yeah, he is. Yeah. yeah um all right guys this was fun um these are all binding these are all going to happen i'm happy that they heard yeah I'm, I'm already nervous um, for
1: next year when we talk about my takes but yes Let's
2: do uh it. evan silva <laughs> established the run is the website it is some of the best info anywhere you should subscribe uh danny kelly the ringer fantasy football show is back is it next week or this week next week okay I can't wait. It's like Christmas It comes earlier every year. Um, Yo, next year we got
5: to do a taking a step back show. Like just like
2: tanking show.
5: Cause 'cause this is a very like positive and optimistic show. Like we needed some negativity in here. So just destroy
2: people. people. Right. Oh, wow. I wonder who'd be number one on that, on that one this year. I'm trying to think. Um, All right. Well, that's another episode. Nora and I will be back on Monday, Flying Coach Season 2 with Sean McVay and Peter Schrager airing Wednesday here on the NFL feed and at its own feed. I don't know who the guest is for this week, but I'm sure it's amazing. Um, the funny thing last week was when I said it was going to be Cliff Kingsbury, and then like three hours later, Peter Schrager was like, Any, anyone want to guess who the guest is? And I was like, oh, I wish I hadn't just said it on the podcast anyway <laughs> uh, thank you to production assistant isaiah Blakely with additional production by arjuna ram Gopal, this has been the ringer nfl show on the ringer podcast network
4: Once COVID happened, I was just like, I want to wear jogging pants and joggers and all kinds of soft pants as much as I possibly can, especially when I'm working out. Ultra comfortable and versatile ABC pants are really in a league of their own. Buy a pair right now at lululemon.com.
3: There's a lot that could impress you about the all new Honda Prologue EV. True, it's got class-leading passenger space and clean, thoughtful design and intuitive technology. But what really sets the Prolog apart from the competition is that it's more than an EV. It's a Honda. Honda, the power of
5: dreams. Visit honda.com prolog to learn more.